It's a Mailbag Monday. Let's get after it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before because Bet Online is where the game starts. As we do every Monday, mailbag, these are your questions. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Or for those of you watching on YouTube, leave them in the comments below and I'll make sure that they get put into next Monday's mailbag show. The first question here is from Bowtiger4. Question here says, What are your thoughts on Kyle Harrison? And his ceiling. So Kyle Harrison, 2020 third rounder by the Giants in 2020. And the thing with Kyle Harrison, and this is a good reminder about the way the MLB draft works. You have to understand, he was better than a third round talent. He was uh, somewhere around number 70 or so on prospect lists. But so often in the MLB draft compared to a lot of other drafts, money is a much bigger role because you just have a slotting system and prep guys have the most leverage because they can go to college. He was a guy that was seen as a first round talent, but he was going to fall because he had a high price tag and it was perceived, it was a pretty strong commitment that he had for UCLA. He ended up, um, Giants took him in the third round, like I said, Spent about $2.5 million, so over slot significantly for a third-round pick, to buy him out of that. Went to Instructs in 2020, killed it. Um, Went to Low A San Jose in 2021, killed it as well. And when you talk about just pure stuff from a pitcher, Kyle Harrison probably has the highest ceiling and is the best pitching prospect in the Giants' entire system. So he's got a four-seamer. Uh, that right now sits 94, so he can touch 98 with it. Um, he gets, like, it's really good movement-wise, both horizontal, horizontally and vertically. Uh, so good movement to it. He gets about a 35% swing and miss with that is what he got last year. Really good. Um, off-speeds, has a slider, has a change-up. The slider's a plus pitch. That gives him two plus pitches with the fastball. Uh, it has break on two separate planes. Uh, swings and misses about 40% of the time. Really, really good. Uh, the changeup. Good separation from the fastball. About 10 miles an hour separation. Doesn't have great movement. And part of that is it's not consistent. So every fat, uh, every changeup doesn't do the same thing. When it's moving the most, uh, it's really good. That's just something where it doesn't always. Sometimes it's it's just a it's just a difference in speed versus the typical changeup movement. Um, the things that they said he needed to work on uh, was his command and his control, and a lot of that stems from his delivery. So he has one of those 
whippy kind of violent deliveries that makes you worry about uh, future arm issues. And then he's kind of going across the body. And it's really hard for cross-body guys to have great control. And you saw that last year. Uh, walked a lot of guys. Just didn't necessarily... I think he threw 98 innings, walked 52 batters. So, you know, not amazing control. It's almost... It's like it's over four and a half walks per nine innings. And then because he was throwing all these extra pitches because he struggled to land things for strikes, uh, efficiency was kind of hurt. He only... He didn't make it through five innings in like 14 of his 23 starts last year. Um, so the, the ERA was decent, 3-1-9. It was just an, a matter of needed to throw more strikes. Well, this year, um, he he started off in high A, just completely dominated high A. one five five ERA over seven games, 29 innings pitched, 59 strikeouts to 10 walks. They moved him to double A. He's had five starts in double A, 24 and a third innings. 4-4-4 ERA, 15 walks, 39 strikeouts. So the release point's a little more consistent from what we've seen this year. Uh, his timing's a little a little better. His delivery's a little more smooth. Um, the walk rate is, in double A at least, uh, n- still not great. It's just over 5.5, 15 walks in 24 innings. So it's just over 5.5 per 9. Strikeout stuff is still there. Better strikeout numbers than low A. 14.42 strikeouts per nine. So, uh, if he can work on the delivery being a little more consistent and can throw things a little bit more for strikes, I mean, I think right now as he stands, he's probably in number three or four. And the reason for that is the inefficiency. You know, you, you need a guy who's going to be a number three, number two to just go deeper into games, be able to throw strikes more consistently. If he can do that, which obviously double A is the biggest is the biggest jump in the minors anybody's going to make. We talk about that all the time. If uh, Kyle Harrison can do that, I think he's going to be able to move from a number three ceiling to a number two ceiling. I really like... Uh, I really like the fastball. I really like the slider. I think the changeup can be good if it can be consistent. It's just a matter of uh, having the same arm slot and arm speed on the changeup so that everything disguises well and then throwing them a little better for strikes. So if you can work out that, I really like what he can do. And then uh, next, I've got one of two questions from uh, from Steven, Hartway 2011 on Twitter. Uh, I have them split up separately because one of them plays off the other. Um, so, first question, it's about the MLB draft. My thoughts on Drew Gilbert of Tennessee. Does he Is he a good pick at 18? So, uh, Drew Gilbert, outfielder for Tennessee, 5'9", 185. He was actually drafted um, out of high school by the Twins. So, interesting, interesting guy here. Contact skills are absolutely real. Slashed uh, 380, 474, 696. Had many as many walks as strikeouts. So really good at pitch recognition, controlling the zone, can making can make contact. Um, all you know, high, low, inside, outside, all four quadrants of the strike zone, and then didn't really chase a lot. And when he swung, didn't swing and miss a lot. So low whiff rates across across. 
Change-ups, sliders, fastballs, everything. The questions... Okay, let me back up. More of the pros. So contact ability, really good. Um, defense, pretty good. He, he's he got a strong arm. He's playing. He's been playing center field. I think he's good enough to stick in center field in the big leagues. Um, good speed, plus arm. Going to be an asset whether he's in center. If he ends up having to move to right, I still think he's he, the arm's going to be an asset. So I really like it. The questions that people have around Drew Gilbert come back to two things. So question number one is, um, how does the power carry over when he starts using a wooden bat? So his in-game power this year was like pull side. You have to remember though, aluminum bats, really good hitting environment in Knoxville. Knoxville, like Tennessee this year, I want to say destroyed the single season record for home runs in the season. Just crushed the ball up and down the lineup. Tons of home runs. They played gorilla ball. And so part of it is uh, how much, like, his exit His exit below is really good. How much of that is him? How much of that is the aluminum bat? So him with the wood bats, there's some questions there. Some scouts have questions. And then there's um, questions about how much physical development he can still do. 5'9", 185. So body-wise, feels like his frame's pretty maxed out. Not a lot of extra good weight you can put onto him. So what you're seeing now, I mean, I think he had 10 home runs How does like, through 50 games, 54 games. How does that grow uh, when he gets to the pro level? Can he add more strength to that frame? Can he add... Um, good weight to that frame, or is this pretty much who he is now? Is this was this what he is? Is he a finished product for the most part physically? So questions there. I think I think you can take him at 18. To me, Drew Gilbert feels like that lower ceiling, higher floor guy. There's a base level of competency because of the defense and because of the contact ability. I do feel better about the ability to figure out power than to teach a guy how to hit. I like the fact that his hit tool is better than his power tool because I do feel like there are things you can do in the weight room, physical development, whatnot, to improve a power tool. I don't feel like there's a ton of stuff you can do to fix a contact tool. If a guy can't make contact, you can't make him that much better at that. He can make contact. The question is, can he get enough power behind it? You can do some body composition stuff and get him more power. So I think if you take him at at 18, it'll be fine. I don't necessarily think he's going to ever contend for a home run title, but I think he's going to be he's going to be competent um defense he's going to be above average defensively, he's going to give you competence offensively. He reminds me and I'm not saying he's going to reach this level of defense, but he reminds me of a guy like a Kevin Kiermaier where Defensively, he's not going to let you down. Offensively, you're going to have questions about can you improve off of him or not, but actually finding somebody to take his place is going to be harder than you expect. So, uh, if your team takes Drew Gilbert at 18, don't feel bad about it. I think he may end up falling in, like, he'll he'll be a, I think he's probably a second half of the first round take, although there are teams and people who have him penciled in to be a second round pick. Um because of questions about the power. In just a minute, I want to get to a couple questions. Uh, 
submitted by by y'all about the Rays, which is a good great coincidence because I'm getting ready to watch the Double um, A Montgomery Biscuits after I record this pod uh, in person, some in person scouting. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens. They have a, par- a product I use literally every day. I start taking AG1 because I have celiac disease. And so because of that, I I struggle to absorb nutrients uh, just kind of naturally uh, when it, as far as the small intestine and things like that. And so I've always been taking vitamins and supplements and things like that for years. And it was always uh, a mess, tons of pills. I don't like taking, you know, tons of pills in my little pill case and struggles trying to figure out, well, what vitamins do I have? What am I missing? Things like that. And so AG1 has been great for a few reasons. One, um, it's lifestyle friendly for any dietary lifestyle, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free like me because I'm celiac. Um, And then it has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, and probiotics. And then what I like about it is it doesn't taste like a green drink. Has a um, has a good taste to it, despite only having less than one gram of sugar. Uh, and so the way that this works, it, it also happens to be cheaper than buying all those supplements and vitamins myself. Uh, it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. First thing in the morning, I get up, I go in the kitchen, I've got the shaker bottle they sent me. Um, I fill it with 10 ounces of cool water from the dispenser on the fridge, one scoop in there, shake it up, chug it, and let's go with the morning. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system uh, with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mlbnetwork. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash mlbnetwork to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today's episode's also brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless piece of jewelry, all at prices you will not find at a traditional jeweler. Um, so, to build the engagement ring of her dreams, Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. And then Blue Nile's bench jewelers will handcraft the perfect engagement ring that is one of a kind. If you want to celebrate life's special moments with some pre-made fine jewelry, and you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand. They're available via phone, via online chat. They can help you find a memorable gift at every single budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNow.com. Locked on MLB listeners get $50 off a purchase of $500 or more. And this podcast exclusive includes engagement jewelry. So use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that will not give away what's inside. So shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Okay, so a couple questions uh, from from listeners about the Tampa Bay Rays organization. First one comes from um, YTAR Burner, which uh, that is young, thick Austin Riley. So this is a Braves fan. So he lives in Montgomery. Uh, He says, what's up with Nico Holzier? So Nico is a 2018 
18th rounder out of Moorhead State. Not a lot of 18th rounders kind of hanging out and doing stuff. Um, but he's a guy that is one of those, I see him as one of those like high reward, um, high risk, high reward prospects. So tons of raw power, right? Um, but to go along with that is like he's got plenty of um, swing and miss. He struggles to contact enough to actually use it. So because of that, you're in a situation where um, you have to hope that he makes enough contact. And it's something where the the projection on him now obviously is pretty wide, right? Because um, defensively, I mean, he can play outfield for you. Average corner outfielder, speed is average, arm is average. It's actually a 2018 pick by, in the 18th round by the Dodgers and was moved to Montgomery. But it's something where he has to make the contact before you can necessarily... Um, like, he has to learn to make the contact before you can assume that he's going to to have this work out. Like, he could go... The, the range here is wide on what he could do. He could hit 30 home runs in a season playing a left field. Or... He could be stuck in the minors because he strikes out too much. So when he so last year, he spent 51 games in Montgomery, 243, 327, 451. You feel okay about that. Eight home runs, 51 games. This year, started back off in Montgomery again, 268, 375, 512. So improved his pitch recognition, improved. Um, walking, hit five home runs in 22 games, so improved the power, earned himself a promotion to Durham. Uh, and Durham, nine games, little tougher adjustment, 179, 303, 321, still walking. Uh, and again, extremely small sample size here, nine games. But one of those guys that, that again, great raw power, struggles sometimes to make contact, Recent track record looks like he's starting to figure it out. And so the question is, will he get enough contact ability where he can come to the major league level and contribute out of a corner for Tampa? Um, not quite sure. We will find out. The other question is about um, is from at Tomcat, T-H-O-M-C-A-T, Tomcat. And it's about Garrett Hyatt. It's like, what's the outlook for him as a prospect? So 2019, 25th rounder. A round that doesn't exist. I always love these guys. That It's like, yeah, you were picked a couple years ago. That round is not around anymore. We don't have that round anymore. Yeah. Um, Got to give you an idea. He was the 758th overall pick in the 2019 draft. He signed for $3,000. His signing bonus was $3,000. So... Um, went to, went to Eckerd College in Florida, uh, 5'11", 175, is a center fielder, and actually got moved. So he played shortstop in college, and they've moved him to the outfield, working on his defense right now, but he's, uh, struggled a little bit with the promotion to double A. So, uh, he came out after the, you know, he was in high A in 2019, uh, got about 50 games in, 271, 378, 355. Nothing amazing. So after the pandemic, they started him off in low A, and he split the year, or he spent most of the year in low A. 
Uh, this year, he started off in high A, 274, 352, 416. Three home runs in uh, 36 games. So they promoted him to Montgomery. That's where he's struggled so far. 167, 216, 250 in 13 games. Uh, he's got one home run, two walks, 13 strikeouts. So strikes out about one time a game. Uh, has only walked twice. Uh, one for two on stolen bases in Montgomery as well. So uh, from what I have read, from what I have heard, there's not a ton out there on Garrett. Uh, he's He's been diligent at working on his defense. They're, they're, they're happy with where his defense is in center field to the point where he can contribute. The question is, what does the bat do? Again, started off slowly. He's been starting off slowly. That's kind of like a theme for his career. So I'm not saying that he's a bad player. He just started off slowly. Uh, I Like I said earlier, I am at, I'm actually, once I record this, I am on my way to Montgomery, Alabama to watch the Biscuits take on the Mississippi Braves. So I'm very excited to kind of scout. He is a guy on my list that I want to see what he can do. I kind of want to watch um, how he plays the outfield and kind of see what he does, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see Garrett and get a little more of an, of an idea of him in person. So I will report back on that in a later show, uh, what I think of Garrett. In just a minute, I've got uh, some questions here about the trade deadline coming up. A couple questions from, uh, from Twitter and some other things with the trade deadline. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and your sports info. You can get all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news. Uh, the NHL playoffs and uh, Major League Baseball. Obviously, the NBA just had their draft, so they've put out Rookie of the Year odds and futures and all of that. Um, but BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering, live betting, esports, and scores. They just sent out new MLB lines, updated win totals. Uh, so shout, shout out to our friend Jimmy for sending those over. Really interesting about how some of these teams, like the biggest overachievers and underachievers versus where the line was. Uh, the Yankees are 11 games, are on pace for 11 games above where they were picked. The line opened at 92.5, which is a good line already. It's now moved to 103.5 for a win total. So outperformed that. Baltimore was projected at 62.5. They're now at 69.5, so plus 7 there. Some of the biggest underachievers, Seattle, Oakland, Detroit, are all 9 games um, lower in their win totals than where they were to open the season. And then Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati was already was projected to win 76.5 games this year with Bet Online, and that's been brought down to 67. So really kind of interesting. That's not the lowest total. I think the lowest total is the Oakland A's at 63 and the Nationals are at 65. But that is the biggest drop. Cincinnati's dropped nine and a half wins from their initial opening line to now. So I uh, just find that really interesting. And you can get all of these odds. Um, news on sports and events, MMA, boxing, golf, all of that at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, so some good questions here. Um, Steven, as Hartway 2011, the other question that he asked was about the trade deadline. He said specifically, uh, guesses where Luis Castillo and Tyler Molly end up. And, and this kind of dovetails nicely. Um, Creed, Auburn Creed, had a question about what do the Mets get for Ronnie Mauricio at the trade deadline. So I'm going to kind of combine these two questions 
because I think the Mets are going to be in on a pitcher. Uh, you've seen Tyler Miguel was missing time. Obviously, DeGrom has not come back yet. Scherzer was, the word was he was going to get activated over the weekend, and he did not get activated. Carlos Carrasco left to start last week. Early, they've said he should make his next start in the rotation, but still, some questions there. And so, I feel like one of these two pitchers is going to go to the Mets. Um, I think when you look at it, of those two, Castillo is definitely the the more desirable pitcher over Mali. Uh, part of it is Castillo's under control through 2023. Um, despite playing in Great American Ballpark, he still has like a 333 ERA. Uh, and then fielded independent pitching, 343. So it's not like he's been lucky or his defense has really done anything special. He's just been good this year. He's been worth 1.2 war, which is wild because he plays for the Reds. Um, Fastball is sitting, looks really good, sitting uh, mid to upper 90s, 97 or so. Change-ups around 88. Sinkers around 80. I'm sorry, sliders around 87. Uh, He's been throwing the sinker a lot. And so... um, Batters are hitting 107 against the four-seamer. Batters are hitting 180 against the changeup. Like, fastball velos in the uh, 91st percentile. Chase rates in, like, the 60-plus percentile. Hard hit percentage, like, lowers, you know, uh, you know, less allowed, is in, like, the 68th percentile. So I think that he's probably the best pitcher that's going to be available. It's him or Frankie Montes, one of those two. Um, But... I think that Castillo is a good fit for the Mets. And I think that if the if the Mets go out and make and and make a big trade, Ronnie Mauricio has a good chance at being one of the guys traded. Uh, now he's a reminder of Mauricio. Um, he's in double A right now. He's probably the best, I'd say probably the best infield defensive prospect in this system. Um power kind of developed last year uh his chase rate went down his exit velo went up he kind of figured out and part of the issue here you got some time still on him but he's 6'3 166 so he's one of those guys we've talked about with the long levers that struggles a little bit to um to get the bat through the zone in enough time so he's kind of struggled a little bit with contact sometimes doesn't walk a ton has, has um his on-base percentage is below 300 for his career. I think he's at 299 on his career. Although he did look, he did get it above 300 last year in Double A. He's back there right now. Uh, slash line right now 247, 284, 478. And then the biggest thing here is you have Francisco Lindor signed for the next 30 years, I think. And so because of that, it's a situation where. Um, Barring injury, you don't necessarily have a spot unless you're willing to move Ronnie Mauricio to third or second. And if you look at third, you've got Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, who both could potentially play at third. And then when you get to second, you've got um, Luis Guillermo can play second, um, J.D. Davis. You have a bunch, of, like a bunch of dudes who can play second base. Jeff McNeil can play second from what I remember right. I believe uh, Brandon Nimmo can play some second. You have guys who can play second. And so if anybody gets moved out of this system, I think Ronnie Mauricio has a good chance at getting moved off the system. 
uh, moved out of the system, especially because I don't necessarily think he can run well, and he's probably going to end up at third or right anyway. And you do have a a plethora of of options at both third base and right field in the system. Um, so good glove. He'll be he'll probably be ready to get promoted towards the middle to end of next year. So you can sell this as a um, he's not too far away from getting traded. I do think that Luis Castillo would be a good fit for the Mets. I could see the Dodgers going out after him, especially with some of the injury concerns they've had. Andrew Heaney towards ACL. He's out for the year. Um, they've been struggling with some of the other guys. And obviously the offense is fully armed and operational. The Death Star is ready to go. Uh, the Braves. I could see the Braves going out and trying to find another veteran starter. Uh, because right now you've got... Um, Obviously, you've got Freed, you've got Anderson, you've got Morton, um, Wright, Strider. You've got you've got some younger guys towards the back in there, and Wright and Strider. And if somebody stumbles, if somebody if somebody gets hurt, uh, they wouldn't mind having another veteran. I'm sure that's something they're thinking about. I know Mike Soroka is returning. I don't think the Braves can necessarily count on anything from Mike Soroka this year. I don't I don't think you're smart to count on something from him. But if it kind of happens to come around, that works. I can see the Red Sox making a move. I could see the Angels going out and trying to get some help uh, for for Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Um, and then when you look at Tyler Molly, I think he's a little bit uh, so bad. April six four five ERA, not a great May four eighty eight ERA. June he's been pretty good so far. Uh, One seventy one ERA in three in three starts over twenty one innings. So he he averaged seven innings a start um, under control through twenty twenty three as well. He's got a four-seamer he throws in the lower 90s, a split finger, um, an occasional cutter, a not-great slider. Uh, I think folks are hitting like 306 against the slider. But he's got a good track record from last year. So I see him in that second tier of pitchers, along with like a Kyle Freeland, um, you know, a, a Madison Bumgarner, things like that, who might get moved. Probably somebody who doesn't need a stud, but needs a guy to eat some innings. I'm thinking about like a Blue Jays. I'm thinking a Giants. I'm always nervous about trading a pitcher to the Giants and seeing what they're going to unlock with that guy. But the Giants, Tigers have lost a ton of guys in that rotation. I think only Tarek Skubal is still in there from the opening day rotation. So if they decide they want to contend and or they want somebody to have for the next uh, season and a half, I could see him going somewhere like the Tigers, the Blue Jays, the Giants, maybe the Brewers, depending on when guys are coming back from injury and how that looks. Um, But either way, if the Mets make a trade, I absolutely do expect Ronnie Mauricio to be part of that trade simply because I don't think they necessarily want to give up Francisco Alvarez and they don't want to give up one of those third basemen and be in Tosin Beatty. So um, odds are Mauricio's the star of whatever package the Mets send out, whether it is a Luis Castillo um, or they go down, they, they try to go in the division, get a Pablo Lopez, or maybe a, go to the American League and get a Frankie Montes or a, a Martin Perez or something like that. So either way, uh, great, great week coming up this week. If you're watching on YouTube, do us a favor, like, and subscribe really does help the show a ton. Again, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby baseball. The show's on Twitter at locked on farm, or you can email us locked in MLB prospects at gmail.com until we talk tomorrow. This has been locked on MLB prospects. Uh-huh.